0: Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. If you've got your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 26. <coughs> Matthew chapter twenty. And uh, I'm going to read a uh, portion of scripture that I've preached from before Not exactly in this way But uh, uh, Matthew chapter 26 verse 6 through 13 uh, God has shown me some things in this portion of scripture I believe it is a timely right now on time word So uh, grab a hold of it, get it in you today And um, let it change your heart, amen Amen, Matthew 26, 6 through 13 When you got it, say amen that's warm-up. That's practice for you. So you can just keep that, that kind of flow going as a warm-up. So uh, Matthew 26, verse 6 says this. It says, and when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. I love that, man. Jesus would just bust up in anybody's place, man, and just <laughs> don't matter what's going on in your situation, man. If you let him in, he'll come in. And uh, that is a great message, but that's not the message. But uh, verse 7 says, A woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? We know, uh, according to John's gospel, that that disciple that spoke up was Judas. And so... um, that was the one who, who said those words. He said, why this waste? Verse 9, for this very fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Uh, surely, I say to you that wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Amen. That's a cool, cool portion of scripture. I want to do this. I want you to bow your hands with me. Let's pray and talk to him one more time, and then I want him to just kind of speak to us today through this word. God, I, I thank you today for each person that's in this room. God, you brought them here, Father. You You made it happen, God. You prepared the way, Father, and As we've already prayed for those who aren't with us, God, we ask you to continue to lift them up right now and bless them. God, for those who may be listening online, God, we pray your hands of blessings will go to them even now, God. But as we come and gather in this room, God, and as we surround ourselves, Would you love, God? We pray that as we come around this word that you'll speak to our hearts and lives today, God. I I thank you, Lord, that in this book, Lord, you've shown us and given us examples for full living. And I just thank you today, God, that as you are a giver, we'll also see the the reason to give. We'll also see the reason to put you first. And help us, Lord, to see today your word clearly. And uh, I just pray, Father, you'll teach through me, God. Speak through me today clearly. Let your word come into our hearts and lives and help us to be a little less like us, a little more like you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. High five your neighbor one more time and say fully alive. Amen. Fully alive. We are in this series. And man, that's been good. I hope you've you've learned something uh, through this thing. Anybody learn something through these teachings of of full living alive? I'm thankful that Jesus is alive. We were singing that song, man, My Redeemer Lives While I Go, and I, man, I was like, that's good, because He is alive, and because He is alive, we can have life, amen? We can live uh, the life that He has prepared for us, the promises and provisions, the inheritance, as Ryan said, that, that God has available to us. And so some of the things we've been looking at and teaching on during this series, uh, it's kind of funny, all of them begin with the letter F, but we've been talking about things like faith and family, and forgiveness, and uh, even how to overcome failure, and those types of situations in our life, and uh, all again, all those messages are available out there on our website and on iTunes, and get the word in you, and, um, and, and let that continue to just take root in your heart, and we're going to talk about another key today, and I believe this is a key that we want to place in your hands, and if you use it, it's going to unlock a door to full life and uh, things that God has for you, and it's the subject of finances, so look at your neighbor and say, Finances. Finances, and uh, I, um, I, I know when uh, in church, and pastors talk about money, people kind of get a little nervous and and get a little shook up. I've even had it that people have got up and walked out, left the church because I, I preached on finances and taught from God's word. True story. And uh, so, I, I just that's tough, but it, but it's true, and and it's one of those areas that we really probably need to teach more on and spend more time in than I do, uh, I, uh, but I do speak and teach on this subject, but uh, I do it because God's Word is so clear on it. I think there's some things out there that you may can interpret certain ways, but there's some things that are just so clear. We, we've we talked on Wednesday nights about the absolute truths. I believe there are absolute truths when it comes to this area. And, and so also some of the reasons I, I teach, because different reports show that money is the number one reason for fights and divorce in the marriages. It's the number one reason for divisions amongst churches sometimes. And, and so uh, it's, it must be taught, it must be uh, clearly spoken. Uh, God has a whole lot to say on this subject. He's very clear in it. He, uh, in his word, I, I love. There's so many examples of it. Greg Laurie read an uh, article that he wrote the other day, and I, I, love, his, I love that dude. He's just very clear and presents the gospel so clearly. But one of the things he said was that nearly half of all the parables that Jesus taught were about the handling of money and possessions. And uh, one out of seven verses in the New Testament deal directly with the topic. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Now, we can... uh If we lie, we can criticize our God for putting those things in the book, Uh, but I think he knew what he was doing. I think uh, we have to come to the conclusion that when he repeats something so often, when he makes something so clear, there's a reason in it. And so uh, I I know this. I know that uh, we've seen that this is one of those areas where a lot of people may struggle, and uh, it's one of those areas where sometimes we want to hold back and we want to not trust God in certain areas of our life, but I believe we're talking about living alive. Being alive, fully alive in him. This is one of those keys today that we need to unlock the door. So uh, I say it often that we come and we gather around this book and then we read it and then we want to go live it out. Amen? Oh, y'all quiet. All right, I, know, I know that already shook you up a little bit just when I said finances, but, but this is one of those things that we have to get in us because here's the deal. I don't want us to be one of those churches that believes everything the Bible says about eternity and then reject what it says about money. I don't want to be one of those churches that believes everything the Bible says about grace and forgiveness and love and, and, and mercy and, and truth and hope and then reject the words that it says about our finances and what God said we should do with it. Martin Luther said this, the great theologian said, There are three conversions that a person needs to experience. It's the conversion of the head, the conversion of the heart, and then the conversion of the pocketbook. And uh, I think that is, that is so clear, true, and, and I, I see that so many times. Sometimes it is the last thing that we, we want to release to him. I, I love those occasions and when people just want to make that the very first thing they just release to him because they grab hold of a promise and see what it says and then grab it and walk it out. So that's the kind of things that I, I love to see and I believe Jesus loves to see. But in this book... We see a lot of teaching, again, on the subject, so many things, four times as much on possessions than there is on faith. And the Bible says this, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So this must be a big deal if he's going to talk this much about it. So I a lot of times speak the messages, I preach the truth, and I share God's word, and I do it a lot of times in using the words of Jesus and using the words of Paul and other writers in the gospel, but I want to preach a message today, and and I want to share some things, even in this subject, I've never taught it in this light, Then I want to use the words from a guy who probably his messages don't get preached much because of his reputation that kind of uh, went with him, and it's this guy named Judas. This is this guy named Judas. Uh, in our text, we get to see the only message that he ever preached. This is it. We get to see what some of the other disciples said and some of the messages they taught. But we get to see in this a picture of Pastor Judas bringing the word and sharing the truths that he thought were truths that we find out later were not. But this was his perspective. This was his words when he comes and gathers around this situation. We know that Jesus is in the room. Somebody recognizes Jesus for who he is. And anytime you see Jesus for who he is, give him follow us. I knew y'all were going to be quiet, but that's okay. Y'all ain't making me nervous today. As we see in this, we see what happens a lot of times when people truly give and worship God. We see a disciple, this person who is supposed to be a follower of Jesus. He gives this three-word message. He speaks this forth, and it kind of messes with my mind a little bit what he says. We see Mary come in, anoint Jesus with his words, and then his three-word protest, he says... Why this waste? Wow. Why this waste? We see Judas come before, I mean, after Mary's act of worship, he explodes with criticism. He comes up and says, why are you being so wasteful? Why are you coming here? She's stepping out in faith. She's coming before Jesus. And she's doing this amongst sneers and, and jeers and, and looks and deceit. And she's being questioned for a motive. She's being questioned about who she is. But yet she comes before Jesus because th- this is what happened. Love compelled her and took her to that place. And this is what happens. I believe this and I've said this. You can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. Come on. You can, you can give and you cannot give cheerfully. You cannot give out of obedience. You can just give and be whole, but you can't love without giving. It follows. God said this, that He so loved us that He gave His only Son. He loved us so much that he stepped out of heaven into earth, put on skin, got on a cross and died in our place for our sins. Jesus loved us so much that he gave. And this is what happens. When we love him and we see him for what we is, he is, this is what happens. We begin to give. But Judas steps up. Man, the nerve, the audacity. What? I mean, who does he think he is? Why this waste? Do you... Hold on. She gave what she had to Jesus and then was criticized for it. Why this waste? And we look at that sometimes, man. We get ticked off at Judas. We, man, I can't believe Judas betrayed him. We blame everything on him and, and all those things. But God knew. He, he just, he knew, he knew what happened. But we give the dude a hard time and we should because of his failure, because of what he did was wrong. But he gets up and says these words. Why this? Why would you waste what you have? On him. Now, I, I know, I know this, is, this is heavy today, but this is truth. It, it, it is difficult. And we would never get up and say those words in church. But so many times we live that out in our lifestyle and we don't give to God. So many times when we we have the opportunity to take what he gives to us and then give it back to him, we say these words, why this waste? When we have the opportunity, when the check comes in, and again, I just bring truth the best way that I can and relay it in love. When the check comes in and then when we take what he gives to us and place it somewhere else other than him first, we're saying, why waste it on? Why waste it on him? Why would I I do this? You see the contrast. You see Mary giving in love. You see Judas. Here he is coming and and coming against and condemning her for what she's doing. But he's saying this. When you give, when you're showing, you're saying this, that you're far more valuable than anything that I have. When we give to Jesus, when we place what we have, but why the waste? Waste is this. Waste is giving more than necessary. Waste is given more than necessary. So this is, what, this is what Judas is saying. It's not necessary that you give to him. This is what we're saying when we have the opportunity to take what he gives, give a portion back to him. We're saying, why is that really necessary? Why is it necessary? Why would we do this? What Judas and others are really saying when we do this, when we make the decision, it's just truth. We're saying, Lord, you're not worth it. Jesus was constantly given this example, and we see it, and I love it. We see when Jesus comes into this earth, we see what happens when the picture is set, when the costly gifts are brought to Jesus. It's just just a beautiful picture. We know the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh. They brought these costly gifts to him. They laid them at his feet. And then we see this other side of the story when Jesus, 33 years later, is getting ready to get on the cross for us. We see this lady come back in and then once again present to him these very costly gifts. And I believe we're seeing a picture in, in the scriptures. I believe that he's showing us in here that God... You're worth it. We want to give you what you deserve. We want to give you what's yours. I'm going to do this today and and I'm going to to try to get it in you quickly. I'm going to give you four things. I encourage you to jot them down as always. Four things that we need to know when it comes to God and our finances. It's just four things we need to know when it comes to God and our finances. Number one thing is this it's all His. It's all his. I mean it, every bit of it is all his. Psalms twenty four one says, The earth is the Lord's and all is fullness. All is fullness. The world and the, the world and those who dwell therein. He's not asking me to give him something that's mine. Church, I may have stepped up back in. I better be quiet. I'm gonna be <clears throat> but, but he's not asking us to do that. He, he's not asking us to give him anything that's ours because this is what happens when you see that it's all his. It's so much more simple to give back. When you see that God has done this, you're not the owner. You're the manager. You're the steward of what God places in your, in your hands and in your heart. Everything that you have today is because God allowed that to happen for you. We don't talk about sovereignty of God enough. And we have to see that if you have anything today, if you're driving anything, if you're going to lay your head on anything today, if you're going to sit down and put something in your stomach today through means of your mouth, you will have to understand this. God allowed that to happen. It is by his grace that we have anything in our lives today. Well, no, Pastor, you don't understand. I work 72 hours this week. Let me tell you something. I put up with kids. I put up with the boss man. I work with the public. I deal with all these people. No, you don't understand. Listen, you don't understand something. If you have anything, God allowed it. He allowed us that while we're here to place and be, be the one who stewards and manages certain things in our life. And it's just cool. I like that. But he also showed us this. He, we in no way did we enter with anything. No way will we leave with any of those things. 1 Timothy 6, 7. 1 Timothy 6, 7. Thank you for that, whoever that was. 1 Timothy 6, 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. So, why get so caught up on those things while we're here? Why get so caught up on the things? Why get so focused? Well, you showed up, I mean, naked. I mean, not a stitch on, nothing. I mean, screaming, crying, bald, maybe a little bit of spiky hair. I mean, just you came out nothing. You're going to leave nothing. Oh, no, Pastor. No, you don't understand. When, when they have my service and I have it planned out, we're going to have this beautiful labyrinth, the casket that I'm, I'm going to come in is going to be beautiful. We get to see this and, and some of the celebrity funerals and, and some of the royalty funerals and stuff like that. And, and I understand when you're giving honor something I, and somebody's memory and those types of things. But you've got to understand they're not in the picture at that moment. Each of us in this room, we're going to go back and we're going to bow before a holy God one day. And we're not going to be able to carry anything with us. We're not going to be able to load it up. There's no trailers behind any hearses. Uh, There's there's nothing that we're going to be able to take with us. We're going to come before him and only what we've done for Christ is going to stand at that moment. Nothing else. Nothing else. But, oh, man, you know, we have this American dream, and we want to see this in our kids, and we want to see that, and we want to have these things, and, man, I want to go to this place. Listen, nothing wrong with having good stuff. Nothing wrong with those things. But you have to understand the priority of where it needs to be in your life. And everything that we have is his, and if we have it today, God allowed it. That's a good word, if I say so myself. Amen. Number two is this. God wants to be first in your life. He wants to be first in your life. We see this this picture never changed. That was the commandment from the beginning, that we understand that he wants to be Lord God and have no other gods. I mean, he just wants that to be the... the purpose of our life. He wants to be first. He tells us to seek first God and His righteousness. Look for Him. Seek Him. Go after Him. He wants us to do this. And, and I love it. It's kind of interesting. We went to one yesterday, and I've got another one coming up in a couple of weeks. And it's the fun time that all gathers around weddings. And those are just, those are joyous occasions. I mean, you know, they're fun times when you get to see somebody, and it's maybe not real fun for the parents who are footing the bill, and, and that may not be a lot of joy in that. But think about the money you go save when you get them out of your house. Amen. You know, <laughs> come on, somebody. But, 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 but we, it, is, it is a fun time, and I love it. And one of the things that I do is I'll never do a wedding unless I've been through about four or five weeks of counseling with someone. I've had people call me up and, and say, Pastor, will you, will you do our wedding? And, and I'll say, yeah, I will, but this is what I, I need to do. And, and so some come in and, and willing to go through that, some don't. Uh, but I just, I just don't do it. I don't want to send somebody out there and into that place without being prepared. I want them to be equipped, and I want them to be taught the word, and, and, and it just I want them to go forth. I want to be able to stand before them and, and speak that blessing over them, be a part of that ceremony, joining the covenant together, all those types of things that come with i wedding. And I would never give them this type of counsel. Never. Never do this. I want you guys to get married, and this is where I want you to put each other in the priority list of your life. I want you to put yourself about maybe 15th, maybe 20th, if they're really good this week, I want you to move it on. not them into the top ten, man. Come on. Let your spouse be the top ten on the list of priorities. No, I wouldn't. that would that'd be, that'd be crazy. What if we come in and we do the ceremony, and then we come in and say, Do you agree, do you solemnly vow to put this person the twelfth place in your life? That's dumb, man. I don't even make sense. I was just stupid coming out of my mouth. And it just it makes no sense when we see this. It would be strange. But how strange is it that we say we're the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the church of a living God, and then we say this. I'm gonna put you somewhere else down the line. Come on, don't patty cake. That's a good word, that's true. He wants to be first. So we say, God, I want you to be first in my life. We show that. And then he shows us throughout scripture. Again, it's full of things that he's saying, Matthew 6. 19 through 24, he said this. He said, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. It's kind of interesting. I, we, There was a text that came across the wire that there had been some home invasions in our neighborhood, and somebody posted it on Facebook and shared it in our neighborhood. And so... You know me, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm like making sure I got one in the chamber and, you know, tell an angel, you know, be ready. You know where this one to safety is. You know, just don't stop. You need to keep pulling the trigger until you're out. You know, just just go. But listen, listen. To me. I'm real, man. I'm not, but then I pray for them. Hopefully, maybe that we can bring them back. But but listen to me. Because here's the deal. I don't, I don't want nobody coming in and stealing something that God's given me. That'd be, I just, it's just crazy. But listen to me. When we put our possessions and our treasures only on this earth, an enemy can take those things from us. He says this in verse 21 He says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He is saying that this is a heart condition. You can say it's a financial decision or a, or, a, or, a, or a bank account decision. You can say whatever you want to say. It It really doesn't matter what. You know, I can move it down here. No, he said this is a heart condition. This is a heart condition we make this. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good and your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In verse 24, I want you to hear this. He says that no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. He said you cannot serve God and mammon. It's money. He said, you cannot serve those two things. You're making a decision which one you're going to use. Money is this. It's a great servant, but a horrible God. So use it to serve and to worship him. Proverbs 3, 9 says this. He says, to honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So when we do this and we come in and we take time out of our service and we say it, And we get up and we try to encourage you. And we try to use scriptures like, man, being cheerful. And we try to use scripture to try to get you in it, man. But just be honest, we've seen it in this church. And it's sad to me, but I'm believing and hoping for the day when this don't happen any longer. We worship, raise our hands, put our hands together, clap, give God some glory during the music, break it down. You may jump up and have you a good time. But then when the usher bag comes forward and they step up to the front, it's like everything was sucked out of the room. <clears throat> just this but he wants us to be cheerful and and this is what, this is how you can be cheerful understand what jesus did for you see the picture of what he's done in our life understand what mary was doing bible says that she jesus said it that she was preparing his body for burial I don't know what the revelation she got from that. I don't know what happened and how God did it, but maybe she just told he just told her to go there and to do this so Jesus could say these words, but he says them. He's painting the picture. He's showing the gospel. He's putting the picture, everything in place, and letting them see what's going on here. And she says this, that I want to come give you my best. He says that give God the first fruits of all your increase. That's the best part, as Ryan said earlier. Great intro to this message. He didn't even know it. The choice part, the best that God has you, the first fruits, what he placed is in your hand. And so here's the deal. He wants to be first in your life. And we need to let him. Amen. Number three is this. This is cool. And I like this. God wants to bless you. He just does. He, He wants so much to bless you. Bible says he's a good father and who loves his children. And so he wants to do this. He wants to bless his desire. Well, you say, come on, he's God, and so he can work it out, man, even if I don't, because he's God. Yeah, he's God, but listen to me. He's never going to come against and contradict his word. Some of y'all were praying this week. Some of y'all were praying in agreement. Y'all joined hands around the table and got out of the anointing oil and said, Lord, let me win that $600 million lottery. God, all things are possible if I only believe. Lord, I believe in the name of Jesus. I'm believing for the day, and I hope it happens. I, I hope somebody from this church wins those one day, man. And I hope it's one of the givers in the church, man. So, I mean, I just, I just do. I, I just, I just, I just hope bad if that ever happens, man. I just, that's just my heart. But again, it just, it was just kind of crazy. I think the odds of this one, I, I may mess it up a little bit. But I'm, I'm close. One in 175 million. People, that's your odds, your chances. So you're telling me there's a chance. (laughs) And we trust that. We trust that. We have hope in that. We believe in that. But listen to me. He's saying here that we can lay up treasures in heaven somewhere where no enemy can take it where nothing can come in and steal it, where nothing can happen. And he desires and wants so much to bless you. This is his heart. This is what a father does who loves kids. He wants to bless them. Malachi 3, 10 and 11 says this. He said, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you such blessings that you want to have, not have room enough to receive it. In verse 11, I love it. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Amen. Come on. He said, I will rebuke the devourer. How much time have we spent? I mean, this again, you don't have to raise your hand, but have we done this? Devil, get off my finances in the name of Jesus. When I mean, you do it, you gotta shake your head like that, man. It's just you know, you just gotta do it, man. If y'all grew up in church, I did. That's how you do it. But I mean, it's your, you. And then the name I name, but I rebuke you, devil. Oh, listen to me, listen to me. When we are in obedience to God's word, when we give him faithfulness to him, he rebukes the devourer for us. You hear this? We're allowing God to speak up on our behalf. When we do that, listen to me. I would much rather have him. I would rather just sit back, enjoy the ride, let him speak on my behalf. And that's a picture of right now the gospel. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father speaking on your behalf. And so he's warning. It's his heart. It's his desire. He wants to do this for us. And he rebukes the devourer. He comes against enemy because, again, we know there's a thief inside. there stealing, killing, and destroying. And I've heard this, and I've, I've, people said this to me, and I understand what you're saying. And, and I try to correct it the best I can in love. And, and people say, well, man, you know, this is going on, and, and it's, it's, I understand. I haven't been doing this thing, and so God's kind of doing this to me. Listen to me. No, God's never taken anything from you. He's always a picture of love and grace and giving. That's his picture. But here's what happens. He is not allowed to speak up on your behalf and rebuke the enemy off of your situation when you don't allow him to. You can. I mean, right now, you have to do the Spirit of God draws, the word of God's clear, it's laid out there for us, and then we have to do this, we have to obey it and walk in it. And so when we trust him in those areas, when we give to him like this, then he can speak up on our behalf. Well, now, I don't know if that's true, you didn't get saved. You didn't get saved until you did this. Spirit of God drew you. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, then, then you were saved. In that moment, when you trust God, you stepped out. So you hear it, you listen to it, you walk it out, you go do this thing. And we have to see how huge this is because his heart, his desire so much is to bless his kids. He's that kind of father and he loves them. He wants to bless you. But again, we have to allow him. Second Corinthians 9, 6-8 says this, but this I say to you, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves, there it is, guys, a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Let me tell you how you can be a cheerful giver. Drop down to verse 15. See this. Thanks be to God, for his indescribable gift. That's how how you become cheerful. When you understood that it should have been you on the cross, I kind of cheer you up just a little bit saying, thank you, Father. When you realize that he took the sickness so you could be free and be healed and and walk forth and and deliver some of that, it just does something to you. He is that indescribable gift and we give to him. He wants to be first and he wants to bless you. Number four is this. God wants to use the local church to change the world. Thank you. God wants to use the local church to change this world. I want to invest in something that's going to be around long after I'm gone. I want to give to something and someone who's going to be around working long after I've left the system. And I know and we, we need to continue to pray for the political system in America. We need to pray for what's going on in this world. But listen to me, the answer is not politics. The answer is Jesus. And the church is the vehicle that takes him to a world that needs him. Come on, that's a good place to give God glory. The church does a lot of stuff, man. And we, we were just we were, we were reevaluating, even just right now, where some of the finances we send out to, and, and we help people within church, and we help people outside the church, and the community, and we give to different ministries and different needs, and we share and we bless and we give different things. And it, it's even around the world and in Africa and orphans. And I mean, just, just I just sat back and was like, dude, this is cool, man. What's going on? But man, I'm telling you, I really believe God's called us to do more. <clears throat> He's called us to do more. And, and listen to me. We can't just do that when just 18% tithe. We can't do it. We're going against God's words. We're going against his promises. We're going against what he says. But above that, we're stopping and we're hindering what God's called us to do. I'm telling you, I pray it. I believe it. I believe the church is going to be the vehicle. We're going to change the world. Listen to me. If we not, may not be able to do this. Get real big and then overtake the government. That's not what I'm looking for. That's why some of us, we want to have that revolt, man. We want to use our concealed weapon permit. And I mean, you know, I, but listen to me. Listen, I believe this. I believe we're going to change the world by doing this, showing the love of Jesus to those that are hurting. I believe we're going to change the world by sharing the gospel to those who desperately need it. And that happens through our giving. That happens when we walk in obedience and trust God in his heirs and give to him. It's just his word and it's true. And I love it. I believe we're going to change the world, but it happens when we come together and trust him and stand on his word. I want to get ready to close, and, and I want to look, if you're, still, if you're still in Matthew 26, if you've turned it, go back there real quick, and I, I want to look at something, because I, the, the connection that God showed me in this, I, I, again, I got to be honest, that this is one of those words that he just put heavy in me, and I know it was just him, but it's just one of those that flowed. Some of the things that he showed me, it, it just, it just wrecked me a little bit. I want you to see what happens. This story ends and we're hearing the words of Jesus. He's speaking these promises. He's saying, man, this woman sees this. She understands this. She understands the value and the worth and what I'm here to do and, and the message that I'm here to share and to show and change the word. She, she understands that. But Judas does this. Verse 14, the ne- very next verse in our text, it says this. Then one of the 12, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest. And said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. I don't know, I just, I've never seen it this way. I've always preached from Mary's point of view and not Judas's. And, and, but we have to see this. He gets up, he walks out of that situation and it was right after this encounter that he sees this. And listen, if you don't see the value in him, you will betray him. If you know the story, if you don't, let me just share it with you real quick. Judas is the one who betrayed Jesus. He's the one who sold him out. Judas was the one who, in the end, eventually did this. He killed himself, committed suicide, and and, and lost his life because of his decision and his choice not to see the worth and the value in Jesus. But listen to what Jesus said about Mary. Verse 13. Assuredly, I say to you that wherever this gospel is preached in the world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. We understand in this church that the gospel is the most important and the most valuable thing that we have. This, that's, that's our hope. man. That's our blessed hope in what Jesus has done for us. And we understand that in these words, Jesus said this, I'm going to put what she's done right there with the message of the gospel. And I want it preached and I want it shared as a moral to her, the fact that she was willing to trust and this is what happens. This is how it works. It always is going to go back to us, our view of Jesus and our willingness to pour our possessions on him. It, this, is, this is like every message that I've shared during this series and every message I preach from this, from this pulpit is shared in love, is shared in truth, and is shared from God's Word. And that's what I love. I, I, it's not my, my opinion or how I want to interpret I just read as much Scripture I can and give to you as many truths as possible in this. And it is today, it will always be our view of Jesus and what He's done for us and our willingness to pour possessions on Him. just i type these words on my message that i felt like that i want us to commit to and if we commit to this if we see this if we grab a hold of this principle today again i'm placing a key in your hand that you take and you stick in the door and you unlock and walk into what god has for you that's that's the promise but this is the words that god gave me and i put them on my notes and this is this, this, this and this is my heart i want it to be the heart of this church i don't want to worship gifts I want to worship the gift. And the gift is Jesus. I don't want to worship gifts. I I don't want to worship and get caught up on the things that He allows to come my way, the things that come into my hands, the, the possessions and the materials and those things. I don't want to worship those gifts. I want to worship the gift, the indescribable gift. And that gift is Jesus.